I kind of feel a little weird, but it's fine. It's okay. I get over it. Mm -hmm. So today we're talking about experiences that are unusual. Mm -hmm. All right. There's two kinds of experiences that are unusual. Mm -hmm. Those that we prepare for and those that happen with other causes. Okay. I put always these experiences without even defining what it is. An experience is always caused. Every fire has a fuel. Every experience has a cause. And that's liberating in a way because <laughs> we get the um, when we recognize that everything that happens happens with a cause, then we can investigate what the causes were. Look back and reflect and kind of figure things out. Now, um, unusual experiences are very common within the human race. In fact, everything that's new is going to be experienced in a new way. And so there's always going to be new experiences. And there's a quite a lot of experience that people have had uh, that you haven't had, but you've heard about them. And that when that experience happens to you, then you may forget about that it happened to somebody else. And I'm talking about really weird things like stepping on a landmine and you hear the click and your foot is on that mine. And you know that when you take your foot off of it, it's going to go bang, bang. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's an experience that a lot of people don't have. But there are other kinds of experiences that have a cause that uh, we may not be so clear about what the cause was. And so the, uh, the cause needs to be a bit investigated. Now, when people uh, go with the belief, uh, let us call it belief, and call it belief in magic. Basically, magical belief is that things happen without a cause or that they don't happen or that they happen without a natural cause, that it's got to be a magical cause or a super mundane, or let us say not super mundane, a supernatural cause. Big difference, by the way, since I made that slip, I'll take a second. Super mundane means to be above the nature and, sup and uh, supernatural means to make up things that don't exist about nature. And so uh, super mundane requires a lot of understanding about nature so that we can escape from it. And supernatural is just going around making up stuff. So what is likely to happen until we do a thorough investigation is the mind will make up a magical story or a magical belief 
And at least you were wise enough to say that it feels like I was possessed. Rather than coming to the point of saying I actually was possessed, because that's magic. Yeah, I know. I'm still here. Like, I'm still, like, functioning. Right, you weren't carried away. You're still here. Exactly. Now, here's the thing about these kind of experiences, and we'll just put a label on them so that we know what we're talking about it in a sense. We'll use the word exalted or special or unusual uh, experiences, and that these things are more likely to happen with people who are let us say, on some sort of spiritual journey or some sort of awakening or some sort of uh, uh, trying to figure out things at a higher level. But most people do that with magic rather than with um, the down-to-earth things have to have a cause to them. So. If this kind of thing happens to some group, let us say that it would be a Christian that it would happen to, then he will come away describing those kinds of experiences like being on the lap, being in the lap of God or being in the presence of God. Um, other people in meditation, if they have magical beliefs, they will they will try to reconfigure their experience into a past life experience or into some sort of magic or uh, an awakening that they can label with one of their favorite labels like Sotapan or Arahant or something like that. Okay. And yet uh, the situation of Arahant and um, uh, Sotapan, Anagami, Arag, uh, uh, Sotagami, all of those kinds of things are not events. They're processes. And sometimes we do not, know because the, the process is just almost is never ending in the sense as long as you're alive and as long as you're breathing, you're in process. And so the, the process doesn't give a product or a conclusion. These are just processes that people go through. So in the process of purification of the mind, there are various things that we go through, but one cannot claim to be an arahat simply because they had some experience or two. That really what the arahat is, is one who has uh, let us say, very successfully dealt with the fetters. And that we only know that we've dealt with the fetters in the past without having to deal with these fetters in the present. A really clear example would be angry, being angry. When was the last time that you were actually angry, that you spoke harshly to someone? Was it five years, 10 years, 15 years ago? Yeah. Okay, if it were five or 10 or 15 years ago, then you could pretty well say, well, I'm unlikely now to go around being angry, even on a, uh, an infrequent basis, because it's been five years since I've been angry. Therefore, I can more go ahead now for myself and check off that angry box. I'm unlikely to get angry again. However, if I was angry a month ago, 
the likelihood of getting angry again is going to be pretty high. So now we're talking about how the processes go. So one of the things that we want to make sure that we all understand is, is that an experience, even an exalted experience, does not move that process thing along, nor does it guarantee or is it meaningful. It's just an experience. But that's the whole, that's the hardest part to understand because like it felt like a permanent change and then it felt like, or like a change in my brain or something or okay. like, like well, now, now that you reflect upon it, that moment, it felt like a permanent change. Do you feel that it's permanent now? I still, I feel like my body doesn't feel like it has holes in it. It has holes in it. Yeah, like a lot of holes. Like a Can lot you of, show me one of those holes? Can you point you know, to like, camp? It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. All right, let's get back real now. Let's not talk about holes because that's metaphor. Let's talk real. Okay. Okay. I'm just like, it's just hard to feel like that's not meaningful. Because Pardon? it's really difficult to believe that that's not meaningful. Well, it was meaningful, but there is no hole. I'm, I'm, I'm teasing you about the word hole. It just feels like, it feels kind of like I have no direction. And that is like, it kind of like erased my memory or something, or like, it felt like, okay. like everything right. that now I- Now we're working in the right direction. That's great. Yeah. But if would, you've lost your direction, then why would you continue wandering around? Since you've got no direction to go to, you can sit down and enjoy the moment. Oh, yeah, but that's the whole thing. It's like, how are you supposed to deal with that? Like, okay, you, you feel that. All right, then, here's how. Never mind, never mind. Like, that's not normal. Like, people wouldn't believe what, people would have just, thought I was crazy and they would have just sent me to a hospital or something. Well, I'm glad you're talking to people who have been to hospitals and know that that's not really the place that's going to help you. If you've got COVID-19, I'll send you to the hospital. But a hole inside, we've got other things to deal <laughs> with that. <laughs> yeah, because I thought I was done with this because I was a Christian and I already had these things and now it's just happening all over again and it feels like you're like, okay, well then what the hell? Like, what, what, what the hell? Like, it feels like. Well, the original question that I asked you was, do you like it or not? I do, but then it may, then you try to, it's the understanding. Like, I want to understand it or, or should I keep pursuing it or, or I want okay. it. You see, there's that feeling okay. of, I want it. I want it. Oh, you want it. You want to, so the confusion is, how can you keep this going? It's more like, it felt like, like, because you said not to believe in magic, but it felt like magic. That's the whole thing. Right. So, this is exactly why people believe in magic, is because it feels like magic. Yeah, but it was like... But uh, feelings are real. And you can take... Um, 
this this thing this phrase that you're using feels like because we actually do not have very good language for feelings and so we generally take it off in the direction of metaphor and because we do that then we begin to make the metaphor real because that's the only way that we can describe the feelings But these are real feelings, not metaphorical feelings. And when religious people have these real feelings and they don't understand them, then they try to put a magical answer to the real feelings. Instead of accepting that, hey, this is a real feeling. It's an unusual feeling. It's not a normal feeling. I don't have this feeling every time I eat ice cream. <laughs> but the way that I feel when I have ice cream is something in the direction of how this is. Yeah. Okay. So it's got both a delicious and a confusing quality to it. Almost in the sense of having a new flavor of ice cream that you've never had before. You like it, but you don't know what to make of it. Yeah. But the, ma but the ice cream is real ice cream. Not magical. Okay. So, when, the, when we begin to go through the wake-up process, there will be experiences that we have. Sometimes these experiences happen in, a, in the sitting practice, and sometimes they just come while we're living our lives sort of out of the blue. And then we start labeling this blue thing <laughs> as magical. Rather than recognizing, oh, there was in fact a cause here, but I don't know what it was. Yeah. Well, I felt like because when I was practicing, like, I, it was weird. Like, I kind of, like, I just stopped. It's just like a moment where it was like, I just, everything just like sink <laughs> or it started with observing my surroundings, observing my mind, my ear and my, and my eyes and seeing where my space is between my, like where, like, like the experience of the visual field and myself, the experience of hearing in myself and the thought space, because at this point I felt like I had space in my head. But like, and then like what I did was I just, it felt like a part of my, it just, I looked, it looked like I went into that space. It felt like this is how it felt. Like I went into that space and then it went and I started crying uncontrollably. And then I just started freaking out. And then I just had like, I just went like kind of like well, ex- for this kind of discussion, let's not use the word freaking out or we'll start talk, talking about going back to the hospital again. Different like hospitals. Ecstasy. Like, like ecstasy. 
like when people freak out on ecstasy like on i don't drug. know i've never seen anyone freak out on ecstasy you've never tested you've never seen anyone take it ecstasy is like I've, i have not been in the vicinity of ecstasy ever in my life that's that's good i was it before. came by way too late <laughs> I'm, I, I'm one of those early dudes it was like a feeling like because i used to do drugs and um it was like the feeling of acid or the feeling of being on mushrooms or the feeling of being on a mall like ecstasy or Okay. You do realize that the reason that these drugs exist and are sold and are wanted is because they do alter brain chemistry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that you're intentionally altering brain chemistry with Anapanasati. Hopefully without any of the uh, gross side effects that the drugs have. Yeah. Okay. No, no. So I'm not sure what you mean by by freaking out, but let's like stay in vocalizations and saying words that don't exist and grinding your teeth and biting and jumping and not controlling your body, like no control of the functions. Of they your do body. that on ecstasy. Were you doing that? Yeah, they do that on ecstasy. <laughs> no, I mean, were you doing that? in this uh, this occasion biting what were you biting grinding my teeth talking okay constantly grinding my teeth and constantly everything i could see every pattern and everything and i could just touch everything and it felt so good and it felt like i it was just like kind of like the sexual feeling but like no object <laughs> all right in that case, perhaps your experience or your thoughts about mouth movements and teeth grinding are a bit exaggerated because, in fact, you were, um, let us say, being sensitive. Yeah. Yeah, no, right? sure, sure. And you also said that there were other people around. One person. Okay. Did that person try to pick you up and take you to the hospital? No, they thought I had a psychotic break for a second, but they said no. They just let it happen, and then it was fine. <laughs> okay. Like, it took a while, but I was back to normal. Like, not in the sense of, like, it felt like I was totally drained out and totally, like, like exploded. But it felt like, oh, for a while, the body came back to normal, like, I wasn't shaking. Okay. Well, going back to the issue of fire and causes, this could have been a physiological thing that had nothing to do with taking chemicals, but that it did have to do with body chemistry. Yeah. There were no drugs. No drugs. Pardon? No drug taking. No drug taking. Okay. There was none of that. All right. I, I thought well, you said that first. No, no. What I'm getting at is, is that the body and, and the brain and the brain chemistry can be affected in all kinds of ways that we may not know. But that the one thing that's for sure is that it was not 
caused by magic. Oh, it was, you were not possessed. There was no God that came to visit you. Jesus was not nailing you on his cross. No. Okay. All right. But if something was happening with you physiologically that was not caused by um, hallucinogenic medications. Definitely not. I've stopped that a long time ago. All right. Um, well, let us say then that we don't know the cause of this, but that we can eliminate a great deal of things that did uh, not cause it. One is that it was not caused by magic. Two, it was not caused by drugs. Three, it does happen. In fact, um, uh, blood glucose levels and blood pressure often have a lot to do with this in the sense that blood uh, that the glucose level can go very low or very high and blood pressure can go very low and very high. Normally, uh, blood pressure uh, can go very high when, as you're saying, the heart is pounding. When the blood pressure is very low, then the heart is not pounding, but you tend to have a euphoric passing out, a tingling sensation when the blood pressure is very, very low. Yeah. All right. So these are things that we can say that affects the brain directly is high blood pressure, low blood pressure, high blood sugar and low blood sugar. Those are the four things that really have a lot to do with it and that you might want to investigate that by reflecting what did you have to eat? Well, this and, is the whole reason I do Ayurveda because they talk about when you have these experiences, it can damage your nervous system if you're not healthy enough. Like some people have, they get spinal injuries because of these things. They get, um, they might go into like a depression. Or when you get really bent out of shape, I guess you are really, <laughs> uh, you can have back pain or back problems, uh, contortionist uh, kind of things. Uh, That's what happened, like contortions and physical breathing, no breath control anymore, like stop breathing, then breathing really fast and then breathing like um, this happens in yoga, but that's where I can't like I know about that, but I don't know like. I guess it's just like a surprise because you think that's not you're practicing this way and that's not going to happen. And then, you know, it happens and then you kind of don't you feel like, oh, wow, you know. Like you feel good. But you also feel kind of like spaced out in a way and. You kind of feel kind of like scared because you don't feel you feel alone a little bit, just a little bit alone. OK, in fact, the fear will arise simply because of the confusion factor and the confusion factor is there simply because this is new or unusual or that it's not expected. And so yeah. naturally it's going to be twinged with fear. And I think this is part of the reason why I'm still OK, like cause some people might go through this and kind of go through some really messed up kind of emotional kind of like story. And um, I think the biggest reason to help me is like remembering that it's not God 
that it's not that it's not like because it's so hard to believe that it's not god because it's like or whatever or your religious system or something or like like it's kind of like hard because you feel like i could do whatever i want now i could do anything i could i could do whatever i want well while that is true in a very good way from the perspective of the dhamma that kind of euphoria is exactly why some people have in fact stood on the ledge of a high building thinking they could fly and then when they had an autopsy later <laughs> they found that there was lsd or ecstasy or something in the bloodstream and so they think that that had something to do with them dying no it didn't hitting the ground is what had a whole lot to do with dying yeah <laughs> but the feeling that they could get away with it yeah that feeling of like oh like a lot of it has to do also with this feeling of sexual like it feels like sexual arousal but not towards anyone but towards everything like well perhaps it's just take the word sexual out and just say arousal arousal yeah well it feels <laughs> that's what i'm saying because that's where we get that word from so it's like that's what we connect it to so it's just mm -hmm. arousal in general being aroused all right well let us say then instead of arousal we can use the the term perked up your interest yeah, yeah, yeah all of a sudden you became very interested in what the body was doing yeah to where a lot of the time we're not paying any attention to the body we're not paying attention to the senses themselves we're paying attention to the sense objects And so the arousal here in this case, uh, let us say the sexual arousal, is that the dude becomes aware that his body chemistry is changing right now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and so uh, this is basically what's going on with you, then, is, is that you become kind of hyper uh, aware of, of the body and the body's chemistry. Mm. which is actually, if you think about it kind of strangely, that's actually a change in chemistry, is to become hyper-aware or super-aware of what's going on. Well, wait a minute, isn't that just effective sati? That when we really, really wake up, then we become very sensitive, very aware. And uh, if that happens, let us say, frequently enough or occasionally enough, then we will have something built in that's different than before. And that what is built in is basically the observation, oh, I've seen this before, been there, done that, and I survived it pretty well the first time. Therefore, this is not dangerous. Therefore, there's no reason to add the fear component. Now, this is all logical, but in fact, this can happen. That logic can go very quickly. In other words, once you recognize, oh, this is something that's happened before. That will be enough 
to alleviate the fear, they can in fact be terror. And so you like both like it and are also afraid of it at the same time. And so we have these uh, simultaneously mixed emotions. Yeah, like it feels like I just want to cry because I feel like, 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 not cry like now, but like in general, there's part of me that just wants to be sad for no reason. Like just. I was about to ask you that. Is this a happy cry? Like I, I can cry with great joy. That's the whole thing. I don't feel like it's like I, I want to cry, but there's a part of me that like just feels so kind of like. Like almost like you're swept off your feet and then this it's whatever swept off. Like that's the whole thing. This feels like. When you're swept off your feet and then the person who swept you off your feet leaves. You know what I mean? Does that make any sense? Continue on. Somebody swept you off your feet. Like when you're in, love. you're in love and then someone breaks up with you. Oh, okay. Unrequited love. Yes, like that feeling of you're, you're broken. Broken hearted. Yeah. Have you ever been broken hearted? Yes, very much. Extremely. So it's just so it's just a remembered memory of being disappointed. Yeah, of course. It's always like you have self-reference, like a reference. Um, but you like were saying a, you liked this feeling, this experience that you had. I do, but I have to learn. Like, I know the feeling, but it's kind of like. It's kind of hard. To, you want to personify it so badly. Like you want to. And that's the hardest part about it. It's like you want to hold it. You want it kind of keep you want to own it you want to grab it you want to get it and it's too elusive to do that Is it that felt like it's like yeah yeah and it felt like you could just like you want to die like because if that's what's waiting for you after death it's like who cares about life then <laughs> that's how it feels <laughs> well one thing's for sure and that is, you, you do not know what it is going to be like after you're dead. I keep saying, like, I keep reminding myself, it's okay. This is just experience. Like, let it go. It'll pass and you'll forget about it eventually. But, but you have had a whole lot of salesmen in your life trying to sell you something. Yeah. And part of the bait they use is something that's going to happen way off in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the whole thing. Like I'm reminding myself of those things and keeping that in mind because while I was happening, I, and this is nothing against people that I'm going to mention because I, I, they're just people, but like, I even got curious, like in magic and like Daniel Ingram and all these people, like they talk about these experiences and they look for these experiences on purpose. Um, and they talk about the, like divine spells and in order to verify their beliefs, perhaps in religion or whatnot. Like they're just curious. Like they just like like uh, it's a you know um, without getting too much judging or anything because I really don't want to judge them or anything. But they're just into they're more into like looking for is there magic in a certain thing or um, like the Vasudhi Maga, you know, like let me stare at a candle and and. And like kind of 
really concentrated kind of open your mind to the spiritual world or something you know like the attitude of, of feeling like a shamanic attitude or uh, something like that and i looked yeah. into the because i'm sorry i looked into them because because i was kind of afraid like am i missing out on something like am i missing out on something like am i just kind of throwing away a whole thing and no one wants to talk to me about it or like is are you hiding it from me like i had these paranoid thoughts like is is he just lying to me is there <laughs> like that's what i i said to myself and i'm i know this just thoughts and they're just ideas and things but like was that along with the idea that you're not supposed to have these kinds of experiences oh okay all right all right i think that that point had been overblown I think that the problem is, is that when people seek experiences and then they don't get them, they become disappointed and then something else happens and they say, oh, now I finally it's come. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but a lot of that still has to do with magical beliefs and magical things. Uh, and, and so when they do have an experience, again, they try to put some magical cause on it rather than something real, a real cause. It just felt like I looked at my own, like I went into like my heart, like literally it felt like my heart, my heart, like my chest, like opened up like, and i had a feeling something was coming like it felt because when i was practicing metta a lot like generosity and it felt like magic like it felt like a wave was about to come at me or something or it felt like like um like i was kind of thinking is it because i was doing being generous and i just kept building up this feeling of like complete that's what i thought like you know <laughs> Yes. Okay. Now we're beginning to get into it. Okay. So yes, now we're looking at the possibility of a cause. All right. There is, um, I don't know if I've mentioned this to you or not, but it has a whole lot to do with certain bodily chemicals, brain chemicals, and that the pharmaceutical industries and the um, uh, the illegal drug stuff is all about a chemical uh, co concoction that simulates or is very close to natural chemicals. And these natural chemicals are better. They're natural. They happen automatically in certain circumstances. One of the places where this really happens is when a mother gives birth to a child. Yeah. There is a bonding. And the bonding has to do with the chemical oxy, uh, cotton. It's uh, uh, C-O-N. It's, uh, um, it's not Which? the chemical. Uh, uh, oxy... oxy uh, Oxytocin. Okay. I'm not familiar uh, with how to pronounce the word because all I've heard is the, uh, uh, the artificial chemicals rather than the natural one. Okay. So there's a natural chemical that happens 
this is called bonding. But if you go into the hospital room while the mother is receiving her brand newborn infant in her arms, everyone in that room is literally crying with joy. Yeah. Everybody yeah. has this Oxycontin. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it has its own fire. All of the chemical changes that the woman has gone through for the last nine months is now, um, let us say, culminating in this bonding feeling that she has for the baby and that that bonding feeling will be there for the rest of her life for that child. But it does change over time. And that part of what changes in our society is, is that mommies uh, no longer are in the state of nurturing their baby and caring for their baby and being generous for their baby. Now they become to get critical of their child. It's a very interesting thing about to notice the difference between people who have a dog as a pet and have children. The baby puppy as a, as a, as a puppy is uh, brought home, they nurture it, they care for it, they're generous for this puppy, and they kind of remain that way as the dog gets older. Even when the dog is in old age, 10, 11, 12 years old, we still treat it like the same puppy that we had right from the very beginning with those feelings. But we don't do that with our children. We change. We change from that nurturing into critical. And so the parenting that we do changes from a nurturing parent into the critical parent. And that's when other chemicals come in and take over. But if you can find a way of recreating that original Oxycontin, then you will get into a euphoria just like everybody does in that ho- uh, in the hospital room when the baby is born. Yeah. So maybe this is what's going on because you may in fact have hit on it if you're actually out there practicing generosity that you're beginning to wake up these brain chemicals of oxycodone which makes you feel really nurturing and alive and and caring, but you don't know what to do with it. Yeah, well, like, all I feel is, like, um, and it was really healing because, like, just to be honest, because I don't care anymore, but, like, I had a lot of issues with my sexuality and, like, my identity as a person. And, like, over the years, like, like so much porn addiction and so much, like, wanting to change even my body, like, you know, like, you know, to the opposite sex and stuff. And like, I had so many issues about like that stuff. And when that happened, I understood like why I didn't, I wanted to do all those things. And it was very healing because I didn't need to do those things anymore. I don't have to feel that way, but it was like. Perhaps in your wanting and needing something, these are just ideas that you would come up with as possible solutions for the predicament that you were in. 
that's exactly what I realized after that experience that that's what I realized, which is nice. It was a nice, that was nice, but it was like, but it's like, okay, you know, it's hard to not cling to it because you really, 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 really almost need it to live like it feels like or something. Rather than clinging to it, we can then go back to the issue of the fire and the fuel. But if you know now, or we're going in the direction of looking at perhaps this is a chemical oxycodone that is in the brain, and that the fuel for that was generosity. Yeah. And I will certainly go along with that because I know that it's very effective. That yeah. in fact, what you're in a way trying to do now with the feelings that you have is bond with the all. To bond yeah. with everything. Yeah, because... And um, I won't use the word God because in this context, God is too small. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's too, uh, like, imperson uh, personal, like, too personified. But it was a... Uh, it was um like there was even moments where I was like, uh, you know, like I felt so like uncomfortable though at the same time, like I would like it kind of like want to watch porn again and like 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 uh, I didn't though, but like I was so I was so uncomfortable that you I had mean to a flash of a thought of uh porn arose in your mind, but you didn't pursue it. Yeah, I didn't because I know I was just going to be miserable if I do. And mm -hmm. and like um I was so like I was so frustrated and uncomfortable. I just had to go to sleep because I couldn't I couldn't get it away from me. And then I had a dream that was so beautiful. It was about these monks and and, and it was like it was funny because there was another dream with them, the same monks, and they're real monks. They're like, obviously, I don't think that they traveled in the dream or anything like that. <laughs> I don't think that. But, um, like, we were in, in their hermitage, and one of the monks were, like, really kind of telling me off. Like, you need, you know, very upset. Like, hey, you know, you need to relax. And just, you know, because I was acting up or something. And... And then, but I was kind of hurt by it because I really love this monk in real life. Um, and then in this dream, they took me in and nurtured me and they smiled at me and they said, it's okay. And they took me around the monastery and showed me everything and showed me like the, the hills. And they talked to me about being a monk and what it's like. And they talked to me about Do so you many- you hear all of the joining language? Do you hear all the bonding language that you're using right now? Yeah, it was so weird because it was like his face was so, like, it just changed from, like, like he's just, like, really kind. It was a weird experience because when okay. I woke up, it was like, wow. What it sounds like then is this experience that you had that had all of this Oxycontin in the mind that when you went to sleep, the Oxycontin chemicals were still there affecting the dream. But instead of being in a dream now where something critical was happening, now you're having something desponding and nurturing happening. Yeah, and I felt better after. I felt better. Like, it's not, I don't feel itchy or anything like that. All right. Well, 
let us say it this way then. Let us go and start experimenting with this in the form of generosity and bonding with other people and bonding with yourself. That allow it that in fact you can even go so far as to see that this new feeling that you have is like a tender infant that you're now bonding with. You're the mother of this tender infant and that you're going to nurture it. That it is really, really as an ex- cross example, it is really difficult for people when they start to understand anxiety and restlessness and tensions in the body. We have for our whole lives been wanting to get rid of that stuff. We don't like it rather than seeing it as uh, a communication or that it's the response to the body chemicals to the kinds of thoughts that we've been having. And that if we want to get rid of the anxiety, then the thoughts of getting rid of it is going to make it build up. Because those are the thoughts of uh, anxiety anyway, is trying to fix something, trying to do something, right? So when we understand that, wait a minute, I can in fact like this anxiety. I can become friends with it. I can nurture this anxiety in the sense of it's uh, it's like a complaining child. Instead of telling the child to shut up, we give the child what it needs, which is there, there now. You're okay. You're happy and all of that kind of stuff. All right. So a whole lot of the Dhamma is learning about how to bond, how to make friends, how to nurture but we're not ever going to learn how to do that with the outside world and other people until we learn to do that within our own mind, to become literally your own best friend. Yeah, you know, I think I just, Eric was, you know, me and Eric hiked today, and he's like, and I told him, he's just like, talk to Damarato, because I was getting so, ups, like, not upset, but paranoid, like, like, why didn't Damarato tell me about this? I was <laughs> Like, I feel like I've been lied to. I feel like I'm lost. I feel like I, or like, and also I felt like I had to go. Like, I felt like I was like, oh man, is this, it's all about magic again. Now I have to go and like kind of mix and mash everything and move into like, like Kundalini spirit awakening type of thing. And like, kind of like, almost like I almost convinced myself that I had to be depressed and go through the dark night of a soul or something, like, all of this stuff, and I was really trying to, like, hold my sanity in the sense of, like, don't believe that because this is all just what you read on Reddit. Everybody goes through these experiences. (laughs) Just relax, like, type of feeling. Like, the proper mindset, I kept it, but there was, like, this slight paranoia of, like, like like oh now you have this experience now you're now you've reached something or or like now is a now there's a responsibility or something like like ah but that responsibility that you're seeing now is not a new responsibility it's a recollection that there's been this unmet responsibility there all along which is to nurture and care for ourselves yeah, but it almost almost came almost with a sense of like conceit or like 
a sense of like, oh, now I had this experience. I'm special. I'm special. This means I'm special. Like that, like that whole thing. Like that paranoid kind of like, like, I'm alone. I'm special. Like that feeling. <laughs> like, you know. Well, that alone and special kind of feeling that people have for one reason or another, but quite often, is part of the reason that we then feel separated from other people because we're special. That's exactly why I didn't want. Like, I was like, okay, this is a bad thought. This is, I just, I was just honest with him. And then he kind of like. It's not special. It's just a feeling. It's yeah. just a bodily sensation. That's the whole and thing. Is every crazy. human body has the same capabilities of all of the same feelings, but me, but generally people will specialize into a small group of feelings and practice that. Yeah, it, that's exactly um, like Eric kind of like kind of put me in my sobriety again, like grounded me. But because I was in kind fact, of it, this may have been partially a response to your bonding with the Donna brother. That you feel kind of warm and gushy inside when you've got companions. Yeah. And this warm, gushy feeling can get quite large. And or let us say, uh, for some, even what they would call overwhelming. It's not really overwhelming. And it, I think it's because, like, in all my life, like, even in religion, like, I would try to worship mothers and all types of moms. And then this, like, you kind of try to put everything in the context of this experience. Like, oh, I know why now all of this stuff. And then it's either you believe in magic again or you just kind of see it as, oh, that's why I mm -hmm. kind of thought about magic. Like, that's why I thought, oh, I worship the mother because I, I didn't understand that it was. Well, that mind. has been the human condition for literally tens of thousands of years that humans for the past tens of thousands of years have been constantly running across something new that they didn't understand. Maybe they run across it only simply because they're paying more attention and looking closely. An example of that is the stars. Now, in the old, old days, we didn't have electricity, and you walk out at night, and if there's no clouds, you're, you're going to have a spectacular view. Now, you have to be in a desert or out to sea or on an island where you're, you're away from it. In, in fact, the light pollution is very, very interesting here on this island because there are many places where we can go on the island that's above 400 meters or so and we can actually look down and see the light pollution and recognize that the light pollution actually does disperse and it's kind of gone by the time that it reaches the place where we are uh -oh. so now we can look at the sky and see it's absolutely brilliant that's now that brilliance of the night sky has been there all along and humans 10,000 years ago didn't have a clue. And so yeah. they start making up stories about it. 
because they don't like the fact that they're just ignorant. And so we like to have stories. And so Uncle Fred will tell us a story about the stars and we'll pick up a little bit from Aunt Susie. And the next thing you know, we've got a, a theory of astrology. Yeah. Which is okay. funny because it's it's crazy. Like Jung talked about this and um and it's funny because it's just how it's kind of crazy how your mind can make things up that work. So like astrology works to some degree, like real realist, not like reading your If you make it generalized enough, you can read Virgo and you can take the word Virgo out and put Capricorn at the top of it. The Capricorns will read it and say, yeah, that's me. Well, like, I mean, like old school astrology, like with the math and everything, like with the whole like. Like, it's just crazy how humans can kind of, like, put things, just make up, like, vehicles in the mind in a way, like, tools out of mm -hmm. just observation. And then, but the, it becomes so real that they become, it becomes, like, God or religion. Exactly so. And so that's the state, then, of the normal human mind. That's what made the Buddha so spectacular is because he recognized that those beliefs in things that we could not fully comprehend was causing turmoil in the mind. And in fact, we have a, an awful lot of unwholesome uh, stuff in the mind because of the, the fear of the unknown. This is a natural tendency, a natural instinct to be afraid of the things that we don't understand because if we had no fear of the things that we didn't know, those things would have killed us long before we ever built a society. And didn't the, but didn't the Buddha like experience how it's like to be dead already? Because he doesn't have an I am in him. Like he doesn't have a sense of self at all. Well, yes, but, and in fact, we use that kind of metaphor like dead to the world in the sense that I've got no more interest in the world at all. Okay. But, or that the, or the, the world is not dead because I, I don't really care much about the world at all, except that I want Donald Trump out. Okay. <laughs> and then we're bringing it back a little bit at a time. Okay. And so there's a self, but when we're completely dead to the world, that means we don't care about it at all. Yeah. And he was like, and, he experienced boundless space, boundless consciousness, boundless this, like, and when I read about that, I'm like, okay, what the hell? He wasn't normal. <laughs> he wasn't experiencing a normal reality as we see it. He was experiencing reality on the brain chemical of oxycodone. So As that there is. is no boundary between me and that infant, the mother says. I am the infant or one. Yeah. Because of that chemical inside and the bonding is there. Okay. So, the, so this chemical reactions that we have in the brain is what makes us feel unified and whole. And that we can, in fact, foster that brain chemistry by having good, wholesome thoughts. And we destroy that brain chemistry by having critical thoughts, unwholesome thoughts, thoughts of greed, thoughts of wanting to harm something, thoughts of wanting to get rid of something. 
and wholesome thoughts that are binding thoughts or, or bonding thoughts or thoughts of everything is okay and thoughts of generosity and let me help someone and bond with them. And so with this talk, you can start experimenting with this. Yeah, I, I'm happy I talked to you because I felt like I was getting a little lost a little bit, like a little bit lost in the sense of lost in my mind, lost in my thoughts like that. Well, no, you're just lost in chemistry. <laughs> well, let us leave it then with this. I've got another call coming in, and I'll talk to Matt in a moment. But um, let's let's go ahead and finish off with this, so that uh, the assignment then I would give you is to start reflecting upon the fuel for this fire. And that a good place to look is with generosity and bonding and connecting with others, but mostly with yourself. Okay. T keep telling yourself everything's okay. There's really not a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. Uh, okay. That's good. I think I, I got it now. I'm back. Okay. <laughs> I got it. Now I'm just keep keep doing basically the same thing I was doing already. Ditto. Exactly. Except that now you're recognizing that there are some underlying things that are happening that you're really right not sure of because they're new and unfamiliar, etc. And just, okay. And when does it get kind of weirder or? <laughs> no, weird is a word that you use that has no meaning at all. Okay. Well, does it get kind Let of like... Let us say unusual or surprising or that you're not sure and it needs to be investigated. Okay. And, and it... Okay. Like, just don't look for it. Just kind of let it happen. Let, let it happen. Work with the fuel, not with the fire. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Okay. So be generous. You got lots of opportunity to be generous with yourself. Wow, I feel good. <laughs> and what about uh, one more thing is sleep, because I can't sleep much. And um, is that normal? Like I should just. Yes. In fact, mindfulness, real mindfulness is a cure for sleep. OK. Whether you're in bed and completely unconscious or whether you're walking around, running your mouth off and telling people off. <laughs> <laughs> Sleep is the same. And mindfulness is the cure for that, to wake up. So yes, that's one of the things about Damadus. Every one of them will say that, hey, it takes a long time to go to sleep because I'm just laying in bed and enjoying it. Mindfully breathing in and mindfully breathing out. And guess what? It's now 1 a.m. <laughs> okay. okay. So I it's just fine. But that doesn't mean that you don't need the rest. Yeah, yeah. So just rest. Just lay in bed with the kind of thoughts. No place to go and nothing to do. And I, there's no reason to think about any thoughts that are outside of this bed. 
So emails that need to be written, phone calls that need to be done, arguments that need to be finished, uh, clutches that need to be reinstalled. <laughs> if you're out there working on the car, leave the car out in the yard and don't bring it into the bed with you when you're going to sleep. Okay, and just enjoy the night. Yeah. Okay. I f okay. I feel better. I feel like less about like like my heart feels softer now. We'll see you later, Dennis. Thank you. Take care, literally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>